everybody. That's four people in a room this size. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, come on, that's better. That's better. For those of you who don't know me, you're lucky. <laughs> My name's Mark Appleyard. Uh, I was a pastor um, of Crossroads here and at Crossroads down in um, Union County. And now I am pastor of what is known as Anathan Global Ministries. And uh, long story for another day, but the, the longer story, super short, is that we've had ministry to business leaders, uh, most of our ministry years, over 20 years now, across, uh, starting in Australia and then here um, as well in the United States. And back in about 2016, the Lord birthed something different in us that took us on an entirely different trajectory than the one we thought we were to be running on. And it has been a wild ride since. So we, we work with, uh, with business leaders all across the world. I think we've worked out now in the last uh, two and a half to three years, we've been active in nearly 18, 18 countries and 12 US states, I think now we're up to, um, working with everything from CEOs right through to small startup businesses. And then along that journey, we've also now shifted the ministry model where um, we are now setting up church online. We have established um, a global network of churches and continuing to establish those that are micro churches uh, that meet online each week. So we are in a crazy season of simply having little more than a yes that is choosing to partner with heaven. And we're saying whenever, wherever, however, Jesus, we are ready. We, um, we got the honour of being able to write some books um, a year or so ago. Um, my wife wrote one called The Boardroom of the Inner Man, powerful, powerful tool. Um, the other one I, was one I wrote called Think, Speak, Live, Business from Heaven's Perspective. The word anathen is actually the Greek word found in John 3, 3, where Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night and he said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, you must be born again. That's right, you must be born again. The word again is the word anathen, and it means from above. It must be born from above, on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord said to me around that time, he said, Mark, a lot of people are striving to live toward a place that they should be living from. And so that was the birthplace of Anathan. And we started up a, a series of teaching, learning to think how heaven thinks, speak how heaven speaks, live how heaven lives on earth as it is in heaven. So who's got a birthday today? Anybody got a birthday? Right here. Come on, you can come on up. You go, everyone loves free stuff. You can choose one. Who's got an anniversary today? Anyone got an anniversary? Anniversary this week? Okay, come on up, sir. Which one would you like? There you go. Beautiful. Happy anniversary. Thank you, sir. 23 years. Oh, 23 years. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, we're going on a slightly different tangent and trajectory to the one I normally would take. Who's ready for an encounter with Jesus? Mm, yeah, come on. Life is too short to just fill time slots. Instead, we are here to encounter him. So you're ready to pray a dangerous prayer with me today? Yeah? Okay. I'm going to get you to pray after me. It's like being back in Anglican church. Okay? But here we go. Lord Jesus, before you ask the questions of me today, my answer is yes. 
Now direct our feet where you want them to go. And we mean it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When the disciples were going through uh, the storm um, after the feeding of the 5,000, it said that Jesus said to cross the other side of the lake. The, the word there to cross means to go through something to get somewhere. What I've learned is we go through something to get somewhere so we can go through something to get somewhere because Jesus is always taking us on a journey to go through something to get somewhere. The destination is finally heaven. But between now and then, we're going through something to get somewhere. And now every opportunity to go through something is an invitation to intimacy, to go deeper, to go further with him. Spiritual activity is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. So the end is always intimacy with the Father. And I, and I know that full well because Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 14, 1, he says, so let love be your highest goal. And you might think, well, that's just Paul and not Peter. Peter says, no, above all else, continue in your pursuit of love. Love is the highest goal. Are we pastors, we, we like all sorts of spiritual activity and getting people moving and things happening left, right and center. But fundamentally, it's all about love. Jesus says the world will know your, my disciples by your fine-sounding theology and your ministry programs. No, I don't think he said that, did he? What did he say? The world will know you're my disciples by your love so the kingdom agenda is always love the kingdom focus is always love the activity is a means to an end and that end is always love you know you can't have love in isolation love actually means connection with another thing or another being another person and that connection is with him it's a divine encounter I believe today he wants to take us to a place of divine encounter. If you've got rules, why don't you dust the shoulders off of any rules that someone else might have sitting next to you there or on yourself. If you're, you're holding on to religious rules, let's just get rid of those things to start with. Because I believe he's taking us deeper into relationship. This is a rules-free zone, okay? Is that okay? Talk to your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is a rules-free zone. Oh, I hate rules. I Aussies, we're convicts. We hate rules, okay? Hate rules. No, relationship. We're going after an encounter. So I've got a little story today. Someone said, that's a really great shield. No, it's not a shield. Something very different. In a, in a former life, I ran a small electrical subcontracting business. And I remember years ago that I was asked to install a power outlet down very, very low in an established house. So the, the walls were already on the walls like this, and they'd asked if I'd stab, put the power outlet down very, very low. Well, that's quite okay. It was a beautiful house, and they were telling me all the wonderful things they wanted to do with their house. What they didn't realize, though, is that it's one thing to say we want one there. It's another thing to put one there. Because to get to put a power outlet in down low, and if you've ever got an electrician coming to your house and you want a power outlet down low on an existing wall, think of them. Because you've got to hit the battens inside the wall and you can't see them to drill through them to get down, to get the wire down to that bottom hole. And so I get asked to do this job and I said, okay, I've got the tool for the job. This is a giant spade bit. If you can sort of imagine with me, you don't use normal drills on jobs like that. You actually have a piece, uh, a, a, um, a, a thing they call a spade bit that has these tongs on the end that bites through the wood. But because it's so long and you can't buy a drill bit that long, you get extension pieces and you put on the end of the spade bit. So I start drilling and I'm, I'm up in the roof 
And so I don't have all these bits joined on. I've just got this bit and I've got my drill and I'm going through the top plate and pump. Now I'm expecting two more to go pump, pump through the next two pieces of wood. And then it should stop because theoretically I should hit the floor and it should stop. Okay, that's the theory. That's what I was trained to do. So I'm going through, pump. Okay, we're good. Still going through, pump, hit it again. And then we're going and I hear pump, a third one. And as the third pump happens, it's greeted with a shaft of light. A big shaft of light that comes out of the so-called dark wall. And my whole roof lights up with a shaft of light. You know, there are moments in this life where out of nowhere, the desire to puke rises up from deep within. (laughs) Have you ever had those moments? This was one of those moments. And I could feel it coming up because I knew this could not end well. And so I, I put my tool down. I'll just put it down here for now. I put my tool down and I climbed down. I'm going, oh, oh, Lord, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? And there was mayhem. I mean, I don't know that I could have, but it was a magic bullet theory. Just think about that. I, I had started down the wall and I was aligned to go this way. I was aligned to go this way. But my drill bit or my spade bit had hit a knot in the spot. I was drilling, and guess what? I'd missed by a lot. Not only had I missed by a lot, but the end of my drill bit, or spade bit, had hit in the corner of the wall, and those people who know a bit about home renovations know on the corner of a sheetrock wall, you have a metal strip that goes from top to bottom. It was attracted somehow to that metal strip, and it hit the top of the metal strip on the outside, and had pinged all the way down the corner of the wall, and the sheetrock had exploded off the wall all over the floor. There was mayhem everywhere. Any, any opportunity I had of, of getting the job done on time was out the window. And these beautiful people that had told me the vision for, for their house, they had new vocabulary in that moment. It, more like vitriol rather than vision. I wish I could stand here today and say that is the only time that I've had an alignment problem. It's not the case. Many times I've been going with God's agenda of love, fully aligned, and then something happens and I hit a knot in the spot in relationship. And guess what? I miss by a lot. Sometimes it's happened in board meetings. Oh, I know, church board meetings are the holiest places on earth. (laughs) We hit a spot and guess what? We suddenly miss by a lot. It's been in my marriage where we've been going great on love. We're drilling in deep and guess what? We hit a spot and we miss by a lot we've all been there we've all got the same problems because for as long as we suck oxygen on this planet we're going to have opportunities to hit spots so what do the spots look like if you're writing anything down write these four words down today because they're they're the flag indicators that you're a powerful person with a powerful opportunity right now to either choose to go down a, a, a misalignment or to stay online with the kingdom of god 
Here are the four things. These are the four, four areas that are typical of spots that we hit. They're four T's to make it simple. They're trial, tragedy, trauma, and tribulation. Trial, tragedy, trauma, and tribulation. You'll be going along in your world one day and everything's great and the angels are singing and the voice of God is so clear and everybody smiles at you and they all seem to agree with everything that you say. Birds are singing. And then boom. Something totally out of your control will come in right angles at you. A trial, a tragedy, trauma, a tribulation. And in that moment you have hit a spot. And guess what? If you go misaligned, you're going to miss by a lot everything that God has for you. So this morning, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you aligned? Are you aligned? See, why I think today is about encounters, I think there's a lot of us in this room that, that maybe are sitting in places where we've hit a spot and our heart has stayed wounded and we've stayed misaligned, but we've, we've kept up spiritual activity, so our mind's in it, but our heart's not. And, and the only way we're going to get a heart back, you don't get a heart back through pragmatics. You don't get a, a heart back into alignment by, by forcing it to believe particular things. No, you only get a heart back into alignment through encounter. It's the only way. You, you actually can't teach a heart back into encounter. Uh, into alignment. A heart can only come back into alignment through encounter. So when we, when we hit a spot that's a knot in the relationships, in a knot in, our, in this world, and our heart goes into misalignment, it goes into misalignment because it builds a new value system to protect itself. Because oftentimes, and we've got plenty of Bible references we can go to for this, just start reading the Psalms, when our heart is hurt, from a hurt place, it builds sucky theology about God. And when we build sucky theology about God, we've developed a whole new value system from which we can justify a new agenda. And so David sort of puts it this way in Psalm 13, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you turn the other way? Oh, turn and answer me, O oh Lord my God, or I will die. Sucky theology. God doesn't forget. God hasn't got an amnesia problem. But a hurting heart has built a theology out of brokenness. And with that theology out of brokenness comes a value system that protects it like fences and guards it. And from that value system, we can now justify a brand new agenda. And that agenda is not aligned with the value system of heaven. It's aligned based out of our own pain. The people of Israel, were, you know, we know them quite famously, and, and they had gone through again and again and again where they had hit knots in the spot they were going and they got misaligned. You know, I've had a lot of misalignments, but so far I haven't had one that's taken me 40 years to come back onto track. But then their misalignment issue was a major misalignment issue. And then they come into this season with Joshua. And Joshua had been a part of that story, but, but Joshua had had regular encounters with God along the way, and, and they enter into the promised land. And again, Joshua has encounters with God, and these encounters with God cause him to be a phenomenal leader. And at the end of his days, he, he says this. If you turn with me to Joshua chapter 23 and verse 12 and 13. Joshua chapter 23, 
verses 12 and 13. But if you turn away from him and God, being God, and cling to the customs of the survivors of these nations remaining among you, and if you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap to you, a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes, and you will vanish from this good land that the Lord has given you. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to turn with me as well to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. What's Joshua saying? Joshua's saying, I've been around this world long enough to know that sooner or later there's going to be a trial, tragedy, trauma or tribulation. And when you do, you're going to partner your heart with the safest thing in town. Don't do it. You'll be tempted to. Don't do it. He's been faithful. Don't do it. You see, even though they had been misaligned for so many years under Joshua, they'd experienced unprecedented levels of productivity, unprecedented levels of prosperity, unprecedented levels of walking in the fullness of the promises of God. And he's saying, don't take it for granted, because in this world, there will be trials of many kinds. There will be knots in the spots that you'll hit. And guess what? If you choose misalignment, you're going to miss it by a lot. Oh, don't, don't, don't partner your heart. Don't partner your yes with the foreigners. Don't partner your yes with, with the other gods. No, no, no. Come into alignment. Stay into alignment. Because that's how you walk in the fullness of the favor of God. And so in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 6 and verse 21, it raises a good question. When I was in the roof that day and uh, my carnage was all around, I remember having this thought to myself, you know what, my heart's just not in it today. <laughs> you ever felt like that? Oh, I started so good this morning and now in an instant... I just want to be as far away from this place as I possibly can be. Everything I look at says that I failed. Everything that I look at says that I'm not good enough. Everything that I look at says that I, I just had no right being here. I start believing the lies. My heart just isn't in it. When my heart's not in it, where did it go? Where did my heart go? When my heart has departed... Where is its new start? We get a trail of breadcrumbs in Matthew chapter 6. I've never been one really for preaching on tithing because tithing is actually not a... Um, it's a, it's a, a byproduct of something else. Giving and, and finances are a byproduct of an aligned heart. And we can say, well, people need to give, you need to give, you need to... Da, da, da. Ah, that's actually a byproduct. God, God has given us something very interesting here. Matthew chapter 6. When, when we wonder where our heart is, if it's not in it anymore. Well, this church hurt me. My heart's not in it anymore. Well, that, that person over there, they're meant to be a Christian. My heart's not in that anymore. Where did our heart go? Matthew six twenty one. Whatever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Oh, we just got a road map. You want to go missing, go looking for a missing heart. It's not in this anymore. Where on earth did it go? Follow the money. Follow the money. I even got myself a nice little thing here to make it really simple. We just got to follow the money. 
We want to know where we're aligned. Just go through your your receipts. (laughs) Bring them out onto your office desk. See, once upon a time, they might have been aligned with all sorts of things that God was doing. But then we hit a knot in the spot, the direction that we're going, and we become misaligned. Oh, where's my heart now? I don't know. My heart's just not in it anymore. Oh, I'll tell you where your heart is. Just, just take, take a look at your spending habits. That's right where your heart is. And those spending habits will reflect a value system, by the way, that oftentimes is out of alignment with the value system of heaven. God makes it very easy. The, the problem is never on his end. He actually makes this whole relationship thing very, very simple. And we overcomplicate it. And we overcomplicate it because our faulty value system enables us to justify a faulty agenda. And our faulty agenda often likes to be complicated. But the complication, well, that's, a, that's a warning sign. It's canary in the cage that we're operating from a faulty agenda. Now, follow the money. The, the trail is simple. God has made it easy to find a heart that has gone M-I-A. Oh, we'll just put it down there for now. That's fine. M-I-A. See, when God gave us currency, here's what he did. When God gave us currency... He gave us a certificate that ascribes value. That's what this is. It is a certificate that ascribes value. And so we'll place value on things, and some things we'll go, hmm, I'm not sure that's actually worth that much. And so we'll withhold because we don't want to ascribe that much value to it because in our estimations it's not worth that much. And so we'll negotiate houses and car prices and all those sorts of things and we'll come away and go, I've got a great deal. What does it mean? I actually ascribe the right amount of value to what I thought something was worth. And that's all that that currency is. Currency is a certificate of value. And so we get to measure what we value by measuring our treasure output. Where do, you, where do you place your treasure is in the things that you value. You see, if we, if we get away from that and, and, and go, okay, well then I've got, to, I've got to give, I've got to give, I've got to give, I've got to, and I'm saying giving's bad, and you hear me clearly. I've got to give, but we're giving out of obligation. We're giving because of this, but a head and a heart in misalignment. And a head and a heart in misalignment, we've just actually made giving another religious activity that's another rule it's another performance-based metrics. And you've already heard what I think about rules. <laughs> rules suck. I hate rules. A relationship is what matter. And so where, we, where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Is he's saying, just follow the money. We um, were building a shopping centre years ago in Australia. I was in my early 20s. I just finished my electrical apprenticeship and I was given oversight over this huge, big, think of a giant Harris Teeter. Not, not like a neighbourhood one, but a giant one. It was the equivalent of that. And my job was as a contractor was to oversee the electrical installation. And in this huge, big selling floor, we had divided the room up into four quadrants and we had a, um, a distribution board in each of the quadrants. And now, as you could imagine, in a shopping centre like that, they were huge distribution boards. They weren't these little things on, on a wall. They were on a wall, but they were massive and really high and all sorts of things coming into them. 
And so we had these four things on the wall, and, and before we ran, um, before we put the ceiling in, or the, the project manager wanted to put the ceiling in, he wanted to be sure that we had all our wires in the roof, which made a lot of sense. So we had run all our wires, and I remember it was Friday afternoon, and we had finished putting all the boards in, and we'd done some testing, and the ceiling guys were going to come in later that night, and they were going to work two days, 24 hours around the clock to try and get this whole selling floor ceiling in. So I left feeling, wow, we've done a great job. I turn up Monday morning and I walk in, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job. It was gorgeous. And like you see here, it's the T-bar ceiling that has the little you know, tiles that pop up in there. Beautiful and white. There wasn't a fingerprint on it. It was gorgeous. So I thought, well, you know, I've got a bit of time. I might go and test a couple of circuits on that panel over there. So I went over there and I go, put my things down and I go to open the door and the door wouldn't open. I thought, well, that's odd maybe it's locked. So I get my key out and I try it and no, it's, it's, it's definitely unlocked. And so I turn it and pull it and pull it. What is wrong with this rotten door? And I'm pulling again. And I follow the seam of the door up and to my utter surprise, the ceiling had been installed lower than the top of my switchboard doors. All four of them. The entire massive selling floor ceiling was too low. It was already installed. Well, that was a nervous conversation that I had with, uh, with uh, the electrical engineer overseeing the whole project. And I said, listen, we've we sort of got a, a, a reasonable size problem. He says, what's that? I said, yeah, I don't think I can explain it. I'd rather you come and see it. So he came down and, again, vocabulary unbefitting of another human being, but he released it anyway. What we discovered was there were two sets of plans. Thankfully, we had the right set. The other set, the ceiling contractors had come in with a rush and hadn't looked at the updates in the plans and the changes in the plans, and they had to tear the entire ceiling down and then reinstall it again. As you could imagine, that was just a beautiful time in the work life of any person. <laughs> Here's the lesson out of this, and I want us to listen really closely. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, "'Let your good work shine forth before men "'so they'll praise your Father in heaven.'" What does that mean? It means this, good works leads to goodwill, which leads to the good news. So, you and I, no matter what we do, are going to be busy doing work. Whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's in the marketplace, whatever it is, we're going to do work. When I look at those two things, our set of plans and what we did, and their set of plans and what they did, we both were very busy and very diligent workers. But only one result was good. Which one was it? It was the one that was in alignment with the master plan. The rest of it was just work. It wasn't good. It had to be torn down. Here at, 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 um, at Crossroads, and a lot, Pastor Law and I have been in many conversations over the years uh, around this type of subject matter, that, that when we look at good works, the only thing that makes them good is alignment with the value system of heaven. At Anathan, we call it this. You can either build kingdom, which is good, or thingdom, which is just works. But you get the power to choose. You're going to build kingdom, or you're going to build thingdom. Choice is yours. It's an alignment question. You cannot build kingdom with thingdom mindset. You cannot build kingdom with thingdom values. No, you can only do it when you're in full alignment with the value system of heaven. That's the only way you can do it. If, if you, you want to build what God wants to build with, God, what, with the resources God wants you to build it with, you cannot do it if you're out of alignment. 
It just doesn't work that way. You've got lots of activity, lots of works, but the only thing that determines whether they're good is if they're alignment with, in alignment with heaven's value system. I've seen this a lot, and I've had to hold this mirror up to myself because more times than I care to admit, I've been that guy where I've had an agenda other than the agenda of heaven. And oh, that's a hard taskmaster right there. That, that one hurts when you turn around and weeks, months, or even years down the track, you go, what on earth was I just building there? Why on earth was I building it? And Holy Spirit, in such a sweet way, woos you back and you sit down and you go, oh, I get it now. I got wounded over there somewhere. And I developed a faulty value system to protect my heart. And out of there, I developed an agenda, justified it, called it kingdom, and it never was. And now there's people that are wounded, people that are hurt. Yeah, I'm disillusioned. I'm tired, burnt out, worn, weary, whatever. I know I'm only preaching to myself today. And so the question is, who wants to get to a place of alignment? Who wants to stop wasting time in spiritual activity? Who wants to be at a place where they can go, oh, I know that I know that I know I'm following God's agenda of love. That's the only agenda he has, by the way. Everything is a means to that end, is for him to release his always perfect love into ways that people can encounter him again. Everything is a means to that end. But oh, we have all these other goals. We have all these lofty, other lofty ideas, don't we? I posit that unless they're in alignment, you're just building kingdom, not kingdom. So this morning, I want to open up a space and give you an opportunity to step into. And that's an opportunity for you to step off the world, strip off the rules, and encounter Jesus. We cannot build kingdom with a thingdom mindset. I'm going to finish off with a scripture in Galatians chapter 5, and then we're going to open up a time of, of prayer for you to enter into. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17 The sinful nature, Paul says, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite. Let's say that. It is just the opposite. Let's say it out, out loud. We need to hear this. It is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives the desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer under obligation of the law of Moses. Do you want to know where your alignment is? Do you want to know if you're operating like this, where your heart and mind are in alignment with the kingdom of heaven and the value system of heaven? Or if you're more in this position where you know lots of things about God, but your heart's not in it? Follow the money, Jesus says. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. See, giving is a heart issue. It's an alignment issue. And this morning, he wants us to come into encounter with him. To be able to see, Jesus, help me to see myself 360 degrees. Because I cannot build kingdom while holding thingdom mindsets. I cannot build kingdom while using thingdom value systems. No, I want to come into alignment with the value system of heaven. One story of the scriptures, and then I'll, I'll open up to pray. We all know the story of the woman at the well. Who knows that story? 
Yeah, all the women's hands go up. That's right. It's a great story, isn't it? It's a great story. It's one of my favorites, if not my favorite in the whole Bible. So here's a lady that wakes up in yet another morning next to yet another bloke who's not her husband. And she goes to bed that night, not only alone, but as the first evangelist in the New Testament. How does a life change that quick? Did Jesus sit down and give her all the spiritual laws of evangelism? No. Did Jesus give her a great big monologue on on sexual purity? No, he didn't even do that. What happened? How did a life turn that quick? I like transformation in my life and I like it to happen quick, but that that's that's like out of here. It's on rocket fuel. How did it happen? Well, a broken-hearted woman comes to a well. She has a single encounter with Jesus. And in that encounter, some things shift. First thing that shifts is her belief system about who Jesus is. The follow-on shift is the belief system about who she is. And when her belief system now comes into agreement with heaven's belief system over Jesus and over her, this is what happens. If this is the value system of heaven and this is her value system, they come into alignment. And now going to bed alone, telling her village about Jesus is the most natural thing in the world to do. You see, if we, we cannot deal with a heart issue with pragmatics and rules and regulations and six beautiful principles, it doesn't work that way. The only way a heart will shift is through encounter. Well, the teaching is good, principles are great, but they're, they're mind issues. And sometimes thinking, thinking has got to be a line. But, but heart issues, no, it always comes down to encounter. And this morning, do you want to encounter Jesus? Only you can answer this about yourself, but, but Jesus has made it really simple to know where our heart is. He just says, just follow the money. Now, only you can do that. That's your deal. That's not my deal. I have to, have to follow mine and see where my own heart sits. But right now, I want to open up a time of prayer for you to encounter Jesus because it's time for the heart. The, the time for the mind is not right in this second right now. This is a time for the heart. The heart needs to meet him again. There are some some hearts that are still wounded majorly, maybe even from this past week or the month or the year or the past decade. And as a result, they're protecting themselves with faulty value systems. They're out of alignment. We can try and drag it in, but no, it needs an encounter. That's the only way you'll operate in full alignment. I know full well from my own experience that's the only way you can genuinely build kingdom and not thingdom. So Jesus, right now, we welcome you. We thank you for welcoming us. We love you because you first loved us. That's your whole agenda. It's the agenda of heaven is love. And so we say yes to the question, will you come? We say yes to the question, will you trust your heart to me? We say yes. Lord, some of us come with very, very wounded hearts, hearts that are scared and afraid. This is not a moment of pragmatics. This is a time for the whisper of your voice. The wooing of your sound over our hearts saying, draw near to me. 
Put down your burden. Put down your load. Put down your faulty value system. Take up mine for it's easy and light. There's no rules here. Rules suck. (laughs) It's about relationship. It's about encounter with you. Maybe in this time with Jesus, for me right now, I see us sitting around a well, all of us together. Jesus has just rocked up. It's a safe place for you to be able to ask in your own spirit this morning, Lord, where were you when? Because I felt forgotten by you. Where were you when? Because this really hurt. Where were you when? So Jesus is not afraid of a hurting heart or the questions that it wants to raise. You may be surprised by the response of your heart. You might have thought you were in alignment, but perhaps it's just been a mind thing and your heart has been going, I'm not in it. But in this moment right now, As Jesus speaks, your heart is getting an audience with God. In these times where I gather with Jesus around a well, I find a very good question to ask is, Jesus, when did I first feel like that? When did my heart first depart to get a new start? Away from you. Sometimes he'll answer that with a memory. Sometimes he'll answer that with a picture or a word. He'll always answer it because he wants you close, authentically close, at a heart level close, heart to heart, beating in rhythm with him. Another good question I find is worth asking when I've been given something like that is to say, Jesus, where were you that day? What lies did my heart buy into in that moment, in that intersection, in that knot when I hit it and became misaligned? What what, what lies did my heart buy into when that person got angry or when I feel like I failed? Or what, What were the lies? best follow-up question in the world to Jesus because he is the only one who declared he is the truth. The Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us into all truth is to say, Jesus, what was your truth in that situation? Who did you see that I really am? Yeah. Oh, there's some hearts here this morning that have longed for this moment. Just to sit and meet Jesus at a well for a while. Encounter him afresh. Be dragged over the line, but to hear the subtle, gentle wooings of his voice. Getting a picture now, and maybe this is a picture that you're sensing as well. I don't know, but it's a picture of us collectively taking the lies in our hands and offering them up to Jesus saying, Jesus, take these lies. We release them, we get rid of them. And replace them with your truth. Because, oh, my dear heart, 
my dear, dear heart wants to be with you again. Because it's safe with you. It's most alive with you. belongs with you. Can you feel it? You feel a shift in your spirit. That's the shift of belief from encounter. That's a shift of value system. Releasing the old values, the slave taskmasters that build the kingdom. They fall away to the ground. the sound as Romans 8 16 says of your spirit joining with God's spirit to affirm that you're God's children and out of that place spiritual behavior is just the most natural thing in the world to do giving is the most natural thing in the world to do because God we can't out give you you first gave to us have full alignment with your assignment over our lives. Today, Jesus, we encounter you. We never want to leave this place of encounter. For we want to have a belief system that's congruent with the belief system of heaven and live by your values. And you only have one, really. That's the value of love. Under that, all other value systems fall. And so we embrace that today. We say yes to encounters with your always perfect love. In Jesus' name.